This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. We probably should uh, open by introducing Bart Patton the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry Education at the Perkins School of Theology. Um, Bart has served as a preacher, teacher, youth minister, worship leader, writer, and pastor across Texas, Arkansas, and New York for the past 20 years. If you uh, had video access to the audio version of this podcast, which is impossible, you can't do it, um, you would be able to see Bart's incredible Pez dispenser collection over his shoulder. Um, and he also happens to be the author of a ton of resources, uh, including the Fathom Bible Study uh, series, uh, which was published by Abingdon and really was a, a quality, quality piece of curriculum writing. Uh, so thank you for doing that, Bart, and thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Glad to join. So, Bart, you're in this really interesting space where uh, you occupy the uh youth ministry world, as well as the world of the academy um, in uh, Perkins. And, you know, I, w- whenever I have somebody like that in my, uh, in my crosshairs, I'm always interested to know what, what interesting things are you, have you heard, seen in the, in the world of research and really deep thinking that happens in uh, the academic institutions like Perkins that uh, that you feel like, you know, that would be, that's something that I, I wish youth workers had access to or, or, or knew or had heard of. Yeah. Great question. Um, I, what's interesting, what's d- doubly interesting um, for, um, for being here at Perkins is that, you know, it, we're a school, a part of the SMU university system. And so, and so we're, we're a, a school of theology housed in a research university. Right. And so um, the, the thing that I think uh, to answer your question is most intriguing to me are all of, especially in the last few years, all of the, 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 the points of intersection that, that we see here at the School of Theology and, and how I think things are moving that direction as far as research, um, as far as study. And so, you know, Perkins has been collaborating with other schools, Cox School of Business, um, Meadows School of the Arts, Simmons School of Education, um, and, and they are running massive research grants in, in their respective fields already. And so, you know, I, I already tell people that, that the way that I understand my work is to leverage what's here in the academy, to leverage what's here at Perkins for folks who are boots on the ground in ministry. And so when I can do that um, for the entirety of a research university and point people not just to what's happening uh, here at the School of Theology, but even point people. I mean, I have I have been so impressed with the work that um, that Simmons School of Education is doing in um, in assessment. Right. And so every time I kind of get to peek over the over the fence and take a look at what they're doing in assessment, they have like a multi a hundred um million dollar 
like a $200 million grant right now uh, with Toyota and Dallas uh, Independent School District doing uh, educational assessment. And so much of what they're they're focused in on is relevant for youth ministry in assessment, in um, in evaluation. And so um, so that that's that's exciting to me, just all the points of intersection in business models, in innovative um, entrepreneurship, in the arts and 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 really my big thing right now is really to hone in uh i've been making a lot of friends over with the folks who are doing assessment and educational um assessment over at simmons because it is just it's cutting edge but like one of our even one of our uh graduate assistants right now here at our office for external programs is in um is in UX, is in user experience and works with Toyota, you know, and so even the stuff that's right. happening there is just so fresh and uh, and it just, it, it, it opens up the doors to point to so many things other than just what's happening in a, in an Old Testament classroom, say at Perkins. Not that that's not exciting at all, but even our Old Testament classrooms right now are working with Methodist Hospital to study pain, Right. Uh, And palliative care and how scripture intertwines with pastoral ministry, intertwines with uh, classical literature, intertwines with uh, bioethics. And so, you know, all those points of intersection to me are just are are just lightning right now uh, in a bottle for for youth ministry and people who care about about young people in the next generation. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing that I'm, I'm curious about when a lot of people in youth ministry uh, come to youth ministry from some random place. <laughs> right? uh, they were uh, they showed up at to the wrong meeting, or maybe didn't show up to the wrong meeting, and were volunteered to be the youth person, um, and and then they got they got hooked. Um, I, I'm curious. Uh, it's interesting, you know, when you look at you've got a seminary that you know you can pay to get full master's of divinity degree and become an ordained clergy person in your denomination of choice. Um, which of course you would choose the United Methodist one, but you know, whatever denomination, um, you, you've got that, but you, there's so many steps between, uh, I got told to help lead a Bible study with teenagers and a master of divinity degree. And I'm wondering, you know, where you sit, um, what is the value of education? And, you know, where is the place that a, a youth worker could go at sort of different levels uh, to get some help and some some education that will help them be better in their field if they're not quite ready to go full mastered of, of divinity ordination route? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, my, my office here is actually uh, a separate branch office of I'm housed in the office of external programs. And so we're actually focused on non-academic courses of learning. And so the, the, to me that, that, that's, that is, that is the ongoing present and future. Um, It's all of the tenses for not just someone who doesn't want a, 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 an advanced degree right now. I think it's even for folks who already have 
advanced degrees. I mean, the right. whole goal for all of this is to develop lifelong learners. And so, um, and so whereas I think, I think seminary education has been stuck in this really flat hierarchy, um, just like ministry, right. And just like youth ministry um, for a long time that we see things like what I, I do for Perkins school of youth ministry and certification, these non-degree non-academic, cre- you know, credentialed um, courses uh, and and opportunities and learning opportunities, we see those as stair steps that make it all the way, you know, and eventually down the road, that'll turn into something. Um, and and the, what's unfortunate about that is how often I'll hear from our alum and our graduates, and this could be for anywhere, not just, not just at Perkins, who are like, no, I have a degree now, so I'm done. Like, you got a degree seven years ago, and most of that was spent in polity and and theology and doctrine and Bible, but it, you know, what, did you learn anything about um, adolescent development? Did you learn anything about um, teaching methodology or pedagogy? I mean, did you learn anything about adaptive leadership? I mean, you know, and so, so I, I really think we're trying to position our offices and office of external programs to be about lifelong learning period. Um, Not, not, not just on your way towards a degree or, uh, but but after a degree, during a degree, I mean, it's it's amazing to me that we have students here, you know, and 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 we rarely they rarely come to any of our events because they're students, right? Like, but I'm in seminary class right now, um, and so often the the courses they're taking towards a degree just just lay perfectly on top of the opportunities that that we host and, and make way for. So, um, I, I think that the the future for seminary education is going to be in two words, lifelong learning. Um, And, and I hope that our denominational structures will make space for what that means, because, you know, so often I talk to board of ordained ministries and, and continuing education is, did you read a book? This year, and I'm going like no, no, no. Um, so to be able to provide communities of learning uh, that ex- to where we're exposed to new ideas, and, and we're in communities of learning, whether that be in person or virtually or or hybrid, where we're able to to really work through some of these things, I think is the gift, uh, and I think it's going to be the future of the footprint for for theological education and practical ministry. Yeah, is, yeah, is that I, I get is, that. I, I'm wondering how for a, an average youth worker, right? Like, where do they go to yeah. find that? Like, like, what do they do? Is it like, you can just go on an online class and take something like that? Or what is that? What is available? Uh, for us, you know, we do, we do Perkins School of Youth Ministry um, annually. Um, uh, this is the second week of every, full week of every January. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a specific answer for your question, uh, for how we do that here. Uh, and that, and that's, we're 34 years old in doing that. And we're specifically a school for youth ministry. So we're not just a youth ministry conference. We want that to be about, uh, a community of learning. Um, and so that happens here. We, we've started, um, to take some of those modules on the road, partnering with United Methodist Annual Conferences to provide that training in other locales for, for, because increasingly our our audience um, is just not mobile. Increasingly, our audience of youth workers are volunteer. They are bivocational. Um, they they are more rural, and so it's it's more and more difficult for them to take off 
a week or four days and come to Dallas um, in January. And so we're, we're trying to become more and more mobile with those modules. And then in the last two years, we've created a series of webinars and have just started to really ask questions about, about that audience to say, well, maybe, maybe our audience could, could even be expanded beyond professional youth workers and start to, to, to create resources for uh, youth ministry volunteer teams um, that are, that are on the ground. So we're, we're really interested in widening our audience. And we've seen that happen in the last three years. Um, so, so trainings like that um, are, are and, and we see people enter that differently. Sometimes they come to a webinar and then that turns into spending a week in Dallas with us um, or doing a youth ministry certification. Um, PerkinsYouth.com is, is um, the PSYM website with that information. And that's where we usually house all of our upcoming webinars, series, uh, traveling, which has, of course, been suspended for a while in person. And then January, PSYM 21, last January, this January, we were we were all virtual because we had to be. So, Bart, I've got a question for you that um, might take you out of the professional world a little bit and into the personal side of things. Uh, because you and I have known each other for a while, I know that you are the parent of a teenager. So tell me about the experience of being at, oh, two of them now. Yeah. Um, there was a birthday. <laughs> yeah. COVID didn't um, stop birthdays. I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm still waiting for my 40th birthday party from last year. Whenever that surprise party <laughs> happens, it'll be a legit surprise. Um, but uh, my, my question is, uh, as a parent of two teenagers and living your professional life in the academic world of youth ministry and the practical world of youth ministry, just tell me about your experience as a parent of a teen watching your teens try to plug into whatever expression of youth ministry looks like at your local church. And do you intimidate the youth minister there? That's basically what I want to know. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Uh, th- that is weird. I mean, and, and my my experience and my my the bulk of my life was spent in practical youth ministry, and so that's 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 always going to be the 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 foot that I that I lead with. Um, the, this the Perkins. I've been here five years this summer, um, but I mean, every you know, since I was eighteen, every year of my life before that was was in, in working in churches and in practical youth ministry, and so that's that's always that's always what I think of first. It's always what I think about first. And so, um, you know, I think, I think the journey here at Perkins for me has been, uh, um, co-opting a lot of the research that's been done the last decade and the last 20 years about, um, how, how disciples are created and formed uh, and and the role of institutional church youth ministry in that process, because I think most of us can be honest. We know that the data doesn't look great, and um, and so um, I, I knew about that data when I was boots on the ground when I was in youth ministry, and I tried to learn. I think a little bit from it, um, but now stepping back and being a parent. Um, I said to my wife, even the other night, I said, it, it really, I am, I am, I don't think it's just because I'm armed with the research or the, or the knowledge or the information or that I'm a part of that world anymore. It really is true that 
what what I've been reading for for a decade really does play out as I see what matters as far as spiritual formation in the lives uh, of my teenagers at home. Um, you know, it's it scares me to death how important our home is for their spiritual formation. Um, it, you know, and so I, I guess. Um, I don't I don't want to minimize the role of our youth ministry at all. That's not what I'm attempting to do. Um, but it, it is um, it's 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 a vital importance in our life and the life, especially of my older son. It's a real moment of agency for him. Our youth ministry has served as an opportunity for him to do ministry, not just go to youth group. And and that's happened congregationally too. I'll brag on our church. My, our church has put um, seventh graders and eighth graders and, and ninth graders and 10th graders on church-wide committees and teams and task forces. And so um, right now, the life of my, my teenagers at home, their youth ministry serves as a way for them to do ministry. And that's part of their formation, but their their relationships with us at home, their relationships with our extended family, their relationships with uh, with friends, uh, with the greater community is so much more of a factor in their spiritual development than I would have ever imagined. And once again, it's all stuff we've been reading for 10 years, but to, to, to see it happen is scary. It's frightening. It's real. Um, but but that's I think that's what surprised me about being a dad at home um, with two teenagers is just how important the bigger picture is and how and how effective it's been for my children for for youth ministry to be a place of agency and action rather than just a thing they go to or a place that they go to, especially during during covid. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bart, for being here today and giving us some recharge time. Um, we are going to move into that now. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, this is a joy and it is a delight to be with you um, this afternoon, this morning, wherever you are. And I'm excited um, to share just for a few minutes today from the book of Philippians, um, which was a, a, a letter of joy. It was a letter of encouragement. And so what I would love to do today is speak to you a word of encouragement. So what better place to do that than than a letter of encouragement? Um, would love for you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to take a look at verses 12b through 15 uh, today. And, and as I read that and as I show it in just a moment, I would love for us to be thinking about two things as we as we process these verses. Um, the first is to, to actually think about and listen for and look for pairs, things of two in these verses. Where are the pairs? What are they? And the second thing that I'd love for you to think about and engage and listen for is uh, what is our work? What is our task in these verses? And what is God's work in us and through us? in in these verses and, and in this text. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12b through 15. And we are coming right out of the beautiful Philippians 2 Christological passage um, where, where, where we really get this incredible um, poem about Jesus' person and work. And now we get into, okay, now let's get to work. 
So we'll start verses 12b through 15. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I hope that you were listening for and looking for some pairs. And maybe like me, you're surprised to see all of these pairs, uh, all these things of two that have been put together in these instructions. Um, And so we begin with um, a, a work for us. And so the 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 calling here, the ad the the, the admonition here is is you, you and me, work out your salvation with reverence and with trembling. That that's our first pair, right? With 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 awe, with fear and and trembling. I mean, then this is real work. And here's our second pair. Because God is working in you, and so this is God's work. To do two things, here's our second pair, to desire the things of God, to desire God's dreams, and to take righteous action about those dreams. So, and this is back on us, you do all things, and in in the Greek, the verse starts there, do everything, do all things without. Here's our third pair. Uh, murmuring or grumbling, and this is this word is is uh, onomatopoeia, right? So it's a, in the Greek, it's a word that that sounds like what it's describing, and it's similar to in the Exodus. You know, you get the rabble, right? When when Moses was in the wilderness with with the with the, with all the Israelites, and they would complain and they would you know talk amongst themselves. Oh, this is so gross. The man is so gross. I wish we had meat. Oh, wouldn't it be better if we could go back to Egypt? And and so as they all started to chatter and complain, that sound when it when you heard it up here it just sounded like a like a rabble, 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 rabble. It's like the teacher from the uh, from the Snoopy from the Peanuts cartoon, right? And so this is a similar Greek concept here, but it comes from the sound of like doves when they get together and they coo together, like and 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 the second part of that pair there is do do all things without. And it's, it's an interesting word here in the Greek, always twisting the argument to your favor. We might call this gaslighting today, right? Like, like do all things without murmuring and complaining and chit-chat. And also to have a sort of, of ethic or logic that, that, that always centers around you, even to the point that it's a confused rationale because it always centers around you. Very interesting pair there. So that you may be, here's our fourth pair, and these are descriptive of how we may be if these first three things are true, above reproach, blameless, the text says, and harmless. And this is the same word that Jesus uses when he says, be harmless as doves. So so the author here is painting this word picture of Already we've got birds in it, and we're about to have some some more nature here. 
so so what what do we have so far? We work out your salvation with reverence and trembling because God is working in you to want the things of God and to do to take action about those things, the things of God, so that you will do all things without grumbling and complaining and and always twisting the argument to, to be about you and to center around you so that you may be blameless and above reproach and harmless as doves. And then, and then here, you'll be children of God, an unblemished vine. The, 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 the original text actually uses a word that that's, that's kind of comes from this, this beautiful, fragrant vine that would grow and just, and just overtake everything almost uh, among a generation that is. And now we're going to get our, our next pair, our fifth pair. Uh, and this is going to describe the, the generation, the world that, that we live in that is uh, that is crooked and bent like dried wood. And the Greek word here is, is scolios, where we get our word scoliosis. Right. It's it's the S curve. It's twisted. Um, and and so it's 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 pointing back to you're going to be this this beautiful vine that's fragrant and green and growing and and, and, and beautiful up against this thing that is hardened and twisted uh, and crooked and also distorted and twisted, which is a very similar concept to this idea of distorting or twisting the argument back up in our third pair, right? So, so the world around us is, is distorting things. It's twisting things. It, it doesn't have flexibility. It's crooked and bent and it's dried up. And then, then you will shine like stars in the world, in the cosmos. And this is a picture back from Genesis, right? This is, this is in the Septuagint, the Greek of Genesis. This is, this is actually very similar to the words used when the stars were created, to the Greek words that, that, that were there. And so, and so the author says, then you will, what? You'll shine like stars in the world, in the cosmos. For me, there's a couple things here that are of great encouragement. The first is to see what is our work and what God is already at work doing. What what God in God's grace is already about. That if I focus on the things that God has called me to focus on, God will be faithful to fulfill God's promises and work in my life and in your life. The other thing that I think is a tremendous encouragement, I don't know about you, is that I have only been called here to shine like a star. Now, maybe you, like me and my family, have spent uh, our, your COVID quarantine year doing a lot more stargazing. We have spent a lot of nights out laying on the trampoline, gazing at the stars to look at the the the, the space station and to look at planets aligning and to look at crazy things that have been in the skies. And they were probably there all along. We just were too busy to notice them. We've been looking at a lot of stars. And one of the things that I've learned, even a comet, one of the things that, that I've realized is, is that a star gives out light but it doesn't light up the whole night. It just gives out enough light. And for the author's original audience, the stars were important because they provided direction for travelers and for sailors, for people who needed to find their way. Now, the sun gives out 
all kinds of light. It, it, it puts everything in clear view. But notice here that we haven't been called to be the sun. We haven't been called to light everything up. We haven't been called to be floodlights here. We, we've been called to be faithful, to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, to, to, to lead our lives in a way that, that follows God's promises and that's faithful and true. And in doing such, we become faithful little lights. And those faithful little lights do the work of becoming God's promise of hope to the world. Here's another way to think about it. I have just returned to campus here, here at SMU uh, in person. And we've been telecommuting for, for, for almost a year. And I pulled up a few weeks ago onto the campus, having been gone almost a year, and I pulled into a brand new parking garage. And, and, I, and I was very emotional, more emotional than what you might think to pull into a parking garage. I, mean, I pulled into this new parking garage and I, and I just sat, I parked and I just sat in my car and I let the emotions come on. And, and here's why. Because about two years ago, I had hit this point where I was just stuck. And I wanted, I wanted to, to do more. I wanted to, to move things forward. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to know what was next. And I was kind of praying and walking around campus. And I found myself on the third floor of a building. And I looked out this window. And I saw this giant, massive mud hole. If you were at Perkins School of Youth Ministry two years ago, you remember having to walk around this giant, massive mud hole this excavation happening here on campus, it was gross. They, they did all this excavation and then it rained for two weeks. And so they had to do more excavation and then it rained again. And then something happened weird. And so they had to do more excavation and move more dirt. And there was a nasty, I mean, it looked like a meteor had just fallen in the middle of this campus. It was so gross. It was such an eyesore. And here I was in this bird's eye view, looking down into this disgusting, big eyesore, this massive hole. And I said to God, this is how I feel right now. This is how I feel like my contributions are weighing out in, in the course of kingdom work, right? This is about, this is a perfect, thank you, Lord, for leading me to this window so that I could have this picture of how I feel that things are going in my life and in my work and in my ministry right now. And then I saw it right on the corner of that hole. It was a wood pallet. And some plasterboard had been nailed to it. And brick masons had set out a brick pattern on this little four by four square and propped it up so that anybody on ground level walking up to that hole would see a four foot by four foot square panel of bricks. Now, here's what you need to understand about the campus here at Southern Methodist University. Folks are real serious about the red brick. OK, and so and so I knew immediately what this was. This was a guarantee. That someday that was the brick pattern that would be on the outside of the parking garage that would be where this hole is now. And sometimes in a year where it's been real hard to build, in a season where it's been real hard to develop and grow and move forward, we don't have to be the big four-story brick parking lot garage yet. 
Sometimes God has called us to be faithful. And in being faithful, we become a little reminder that tells the world what's coming. That reminds the world of God's promise of hope. Now, I don't know about you, but it has been a year that's been hard, a season that's been hard for our ministries that we haven't been able to grow or build or innovate or design. And sometimes youth ministry has felt like we've been playing in a big sloppy mud pit. But God has called you and God has called me to be stars in the night sky, not the full sun, not the full picture, not the light that lights everything up, but but just that one light, faithful in our corner of the sky, that points and promises that when the night is finished, the sun will rise and the light of the world will light it all up. And so may you in this season be faithful to claim God's promise and God's work, but also put your hand and your heart and your mind to the task of working out your salvation and living a life that is blameless without twists so that you may shine like stars. And it may be that testimony that your community Uh, your young people need right now more than anything else. There will be days ahead for building. There will be days ahead for brick parking garages. But today, be a sign of what's to come. Be a star in the night sky. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your grace that goes before us and that works that is active and stirring within us so that we can desire your good work and that we can have the courage and capacity to take action and be a part of that good work. And we thank you today that you desire to use us in this way, to be stars that light up our corners of the sky, reminders of what's to come, reminders of your promise of hope and joy. I pray that you would encourage those who serve you today and those who serve your church and those who serve young people and communities of young people that in a season that's been hard, they would know and trust that you are still at work and that you are not finished with using them to do your work. I pray this and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Bart. We appreciate that. Um, I don't want to uh, to leave our time without giving you a chance to tell us a little bit about Reboot um, and hear from you about that um, about that resource for us. Um, so would you mind taking just a minute to share that with us before we close out? Absolutely. Thanks for giving me that chance. Um, so for the last two years, we've been working with uh, the Lilly Endowment to do work in um, youth ministry programmatic innovation. And, um, and so our conviction around that, um, we have four values, and those are youth agency, um, congregational ownership, intergenerational work, um, and, uh, and theological significance. 
to youth ministry. And so, and so we believe that, um, that this work is not just the work of big churches with multiple paid youth ministers, that, that this is the work for any youth group anywhere. And so we've been working with um, a cohort of churches um, within a 300 mile radius around Dallas for the last two years um, to just experiment and to play with this concept of seeding ownership of youth ministry at the congregational level. So that youth ministry doesn't become this, this byproduct or a separate mission of a congregation. And so um, as we've learned, we are developing resources and we will continue to learn. And we want to continue to learn with you uh, and for you too. So we've got some new exciting resources. Um, the first Thursday of every month, we release a blog. And so that's today. And so just about an hour ago, we released our, our blog for the month. So go check that out. Um, rebootyouthministry.com. You can check that out on resources with our blog. And then um, and then we're really excited because we, we've dropped a six-month uh, starter guide for any churches that care about the work that we're doing um, that, that explain how to do it. And one of our biggest questions is like, how do I do that? How do I actually, pastors and, and youth ministers who would say this, but how do I, what do I do in that meeting? Okay, I put a team together. I want to have these conversations. How do I do it? And so um, this is a meeting guide that will actually line out for six months what your meeting should look like and what your conversations should look like. And that's a free resource that you can grab, rebootyouthministry.com too. So we're excited about those resources. Bart, thank you again. Uh, and if anybody does follow the links to um, rebootyouthministry.com, uh, there's a really awesome uh, free starter guide that Bart and the team at Perkins have put out. And uh, I would recommend downloading that as a youth worker and using it as a great place to start some conversations uh, at your local church uh, using what Bart and his team learned uh, over the course of the the couple of years of getting those groups of smaller churches together. Um, really pretty awesome and, and very powerful questions that are there. Mm-hmm.